This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. So, and this is where we're going to pivot here to injuries. I'm glad you brought that up because you have been the one, and you said this in a preview pod, very optimistic about a Dory Jackson approaching a return at some point. And obviously we have to see what happens here on Thursday, Friday. It feels to me like we've hit a point in the season and at least this week, a point in the Adoree Jackson injury recovery. Now, again, I am not a doctor. I I don't want to look at his knee, but I feel like there's this old school approach that hasn't meshed with a new school approach with this. And this is all I'm going to say to you. If Adoree Jackson feels like he's getting close and he's able to run and play, but maybe they're worried about a full workload. Don't you think it would behoove the giants? We've just seen it with offensive players to just, Bring a Dory Jackson back and put him on a snap cap, maybe big third downs where you're afraid of passing this, that, and the other thing instead of the full QCB1 workload because, you know, he's got to be better than, you know, some of the coverage we've seen and just use it in a limited role here. I think that's possible, Sean. The two things that you have to think about. Now, first of all, I think realistically, as we sit here on Thursday morning, I believe he's going to be a game-time decision. I think it's that close. Okay. Uh, However, however, here are the two factors you must consider. Number one, you do know the importance of the game. So in key spots, would you like to have him on McLaurin to potentially prevent a big play by Heineke, like what he was able to do in the fourth quarter to send that game two weeks ago into overtime? Yes, I could understand that. But on the other side of things, if Jackson is really that close and he can be 100% for the ensuing games following this one, well, I think we've already discussed the fact that the Giants can lose this game and still, still be in decent position to make the playoffs. Do you want to take the chance that even playing him for 10 or 15 snaps might injure him worse where you lose him for the rest of the month? And to be frank with you, if you have to limp in to the home stretch with this secondary for the next three weeks, you're probably not going to salvage anything. Okay, I mean, the counterpoint, and there's no way of knowing this until game time, is what do the Seahawks and Lions do? Because if both of those teams happen to win the games, Paul, on Sunday, you know, the the, the percentage meter and all the percentage would continue to drop if the Giants Correct. lose this game. I mean, Correct. There's, still, there'll be less margin to breathe. I yeah, agree. I mean, and also on that note, if you lose this game and lose to somebody else around you, you know, again, you're saying everybody has the right attitude. At some point, you know, it's just human nature. There could be a little will and spirit broken in the locker room. That's where I think winning this game, despite what happens on Thursday night football and early Sunday with the Seahawks and Lions, is so imperative. So I, I guess you have that question answered. Now, one that I think a lot of fans may not think is a big deal, but I personally think it's a big deal, uh, and it feels optimistic, is Ben Bredesen. And now I hope 
I hope he finds his way back into the lineup because it really felt like he was coming along, Paul, and I felt like the run game was benefiting, and the, and the Giants have missed him dearly in that run game. And you look at when Saquon's numbers dropped off. They dropped off, and we stopped seeing a lot of Ben Bredesen, and to a lesser extent, Izudu. Do you think that Ben Bredesen's going to get in this lineup on Sunday? Yeah, Bredesen was actually very close to making it last weekend, and, and he's feeling pretty good, and the arrow is up. So I think, once again, uh, he's going to be very close, probably a game-time decision. I would not do it. I would stick with Nick Gates and, and stick with the five that they've had the last few weeks. I think Bredesen should be on standby if, for whatever reason, you know somebody's not getting it done on the inside. Yeah. Maybe you want to go there. But I would not start Ben Bredesen. What really stinks, and I and again, I know that these guys are giving it all. I think that the Giants would be better suited with both Nick Gates and Ben Bredesen in that lineup and one less of Glowinski and Feliciano. It feels like to me, again, I've gone back, I've rewatched a bunch. Injury, whatever. It, it, the two guys that I consistently see getting bullied at times, especially in the past game, have been Glowinski and Feliciano, Paul. Uh, and I know that's probably not an option to play both Bredesen or Gates, but I really do feel like that would be the Giants' best offensive line if they could get both of those guys in there. Well, here's the thing. In terms of uh, Feliciano, the, the coaching staff really loves him because of his grit and because of his uh, confidence and ability to handle the system on, under virtually any condition. Now, I will tell you, according to my tape review, which I do very studiously, uh, I've got Feliciano for allowing two sacks so far this season, one to Jones, uh, and that would have been back in uh, against the Baltimore, against Baltimore. And I also by the, by have the way, one- we are on YouTube, so if you are watching, you're watching Paul's eyes dart all over the chart, which is just perfect. It is so perfectly, Paul, giving you the research right in front of him there. I love it. All right. And I also have Feliciano giving up a sack to Cox against Philadelphia on December 11th. That was last week. Both of those sacks were on bull rushes. Okay. So Feliciano has not been fooled. In terms of his pass protection, he has been beaten on two bull rushes. Glowinski has allowed, according to my my film study, four and a half sacks this year. Two of them came to pain uh, in the Washington game just a couple of weeks ago. And his back was hurting. And his back was hurting. So to be frank with you, and again, I know there's a certain analytics site that loves to give out number grades. You know that I believe those things belong in the bottom of the sewer. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm not I'm not even going to discuss what those folks think. I'm simply telling you what the facts are. Uh, the Giants really like Lewinsky's grit and his attitude and his and his ability to block in the run game. And I don't think there's any way that they're going to go into this game thinking they got to throw it 40 times and win it through the air. They know they've got to get back to the run. And so I think Lewinsky is obviously going to be their best choice there. Okay, and that leads us into the elephant in the room, Paul. Now, what you just said is absolutely true, right? The Giants were at their best when they were able to run the ball and run it like heck. But let's be real here. It doesn't mean you abandon it or anything like that. The Giants' run game has completely struggled over this whole stretch. Where they And look, one plus one equals two, right? Run game struggles, they've struggled. The fact of the matter is, you go into this game hoping that you could turn around the run game. You make adjustments. You figure it out. But if they get in a spot where this game is tight and the run game is simply not working, they're going to have to figure out a way to make plays through the air and trust their quarterback a little bit. Now, where that becomes hampered, what I'm going to bring up the next part of this is the concussion protocol situation for Richie James. So much that they've signed now Jaden Mickens, who was the Bucks returner in that Super Bowl. So, right at, look, to me, 
I don't need your break. Now, if you break off a big punt return for a touchdown, geez, bless. That could be the difference in the game. I love it, right? No doubt about it. But just don't fumble the football, right? Because the the events that have happened since Richie James's two fumbles in Seattle that have led to that loss there where they could have had Seattle buried at this point in the year. Uh, Dory Jackson returning punts. Like the punt return thing that started in Seattle has led to a you know such a, a chain of events that have killed the Giants, so to speak. Bottom line, yes. is catch punts and all of that. But the reason I bring that up is – if Richie James isn't good to go and Mickens is their punt returner, the Giants obviously have had a decent thing going. I mean, only so much you could do with Slayton and Hodgins who have done what they've asked. They're just not number one guys. Who the heck is running in the slot here on Sunday, Paul? Yeah, they probably would have to go with a big slot. You know, you Holiday? could go, you could, you could, you could, no, you could probably Sills. Okay. All right. That would be, that would be my suspicion. Um, they could that, also sound you, that sound you hear, by the way, is every Giant fan listening going, oh, jeez, I'm going to go David. Well, you could, you, to be honest, Marcus Johnson would also be another option. Okay. I will warn you, okay, that Mickens has six career fumbles in 38 NFL games. Can't wait. Can't wait. I just needed, I needed to be factual and honest and to well, prepare you just in case. And to that point, Paul, this is what will worry me about this signing. You're right. What the Giants need is a lot of hand in the air, fair catches, let the offense go out there and do the work. And my worry, like you just talked about with Mickens, is Mickens is a guy who was just on the street, was a street-free agent, and a guy like that who's not as truly connected to the team, clearly because he wasn't here all year, does he go out for himself a little bit, see some space and say, I got to catch this and run, think too fast, boom, that's a fumble that turns the other way because he's thinking about gaining yards and putting out some good tape. That would concern me a little bit. The ball will be ice cold, hard as a rock, and probably slick. Doesn't have to be wet to be slick. Right. Again, not in those conditions on that real grass and, and mud and whatever they're going to have down there at RFK. Well, the actually FedEx field. I'm sorry. I'm dating myself. <laughs> Look, here's the bottom line, Sean. The Giants, they've got to win the turnover battle because yeah. if you lose the turnover battle, you allow Washington to grind out this game with their run. Right. You right. You can't have Daniel Jones fumbling on the first drive again in this matchup. No, no. The Giants are the better team. Okay. They've got the better 53. I will tell you that. Even with the injuries, some of the guys are coming back. I do believe the Giants are the better team. I do believe that Washington, which held the ball for 41 minutes two weeks ago and couldn't do better than salvaging a 2020 tie. I mean, come on. After watching that tape again, I feel extremely confident that the Giants yeah. are going to win the game. Never mind the officiating in that ball game either. And I understand some Washington folks are crying a little bit too. Well, I think the Giants have a much bigger complaint as to the officials that particular afternoon. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind the Giants are the better team and the Giants will win this game. But having said that, what you do not want to do is allow Washington to control this game from the lead, although the Giants did overcome a lead two weeks ago, yeah, you don't want to have to do that again because they will attempt to grind it out. And once they set the tempo and, and have the narrative of this game under their control, it becomes a bigger problem yeah. for the Giants. Yeah, and on top of the turnovers, and this happened two weeks ago, whether it's 
uh, Feliciano with the stupid up the, you know, the penalty, the flexing that cost them points and literally cost them the game, whether it's, you know, driving and all of a sudden there's a hold and it's first to 20. And I know that the refs, you know, can be pigs and get in the way. No stupid penalties in this game. Can, and if, can somebody, an offensive player, not run an obvious pick into a defender and we get called for offensive pass interference or a legal formation? Because, you know, a lot, and I understand why, the conversation in Giant Land and Giant Fan Land has is, is shifted towards how much blame of what's gone wrong do you put on Daniel Jones? And I'm so sick and tired of Daniel Jones drives being absolutely killed by penalties by others and putting the guy in a first and 20, but look, you can't make more happen with the receivers happen. Yeah. Yes. You don't want to turn the ball over a ton, Paul, but this cannot be a game. Like we see so many of these losses, slash ties happen that are affected by just gut wrenching penalties. Well, how about a phantom offsides penalty on a last-second field goal that never should have happened? How about that?